Well, welcome to Iron Leadership, if this is your first time, or welcome back if you're uh, here for, the, for uh, a return trip. Does anybody remember that they came the very first year to Iron Leadership? That would have been 2012. Wow, okay, good. So this is our 13th year. Uh, I'm going to introduce just very briefly, no words need to be given, but Matt McFarling, would you just raise your hand? Stand up, Matt McFarling. So Matt McFarling is here for the weekend. If you're a member of the church, you know we're interviewing him this weekend, so I want you to ask him very hard theological questions at breakfast <laughs> to see if, you know, did Adam have a belly button? That's what I need to know. <laughs> he didn't come out of the womb, so I don't know. So just tough things like that, see if he gets it right. Uh, uh, if you're new or even if you're not, it might be helpful to, especially if you're new, there's a sign-up sheet on the left-hand side, and that ensures you getting an email from us every week and a, a text message the week of Iron Leadership, just to let you know it's happening. But in the email that you get, and you've already, most of you have already gotten one. A lot of you got an email already? Yes? So at the bottom of the email, if you didn't notice, all the dates for the year from, from now until May are on that email. So you can just go, it's basically every two weeks, but you know, because of a holiday and stuff, it skips a bit. So you can just go ahead and put that in your calendar um, already. So here are just some pointers that will help you along the way. Uh, we talked about the sign-up sheet. There is a web website called ironleader.org, and you'll get something that will be just uh, half notice in your email, and it's part of a blog post. And you know this, you'll press the link and it'll take you to the website. But if you ever say, hey, I need that illustration, or I need that picture, or I need to remember what he said, or that passage, or anything that gets said with Iron Leadership, it's all on that website. And pretty frequently people say, hey, I wanted to use that somehow in my business or, or whatever, Sunday school class, and, and I just wanted to get it. It's all on there. And if you have trouble, just call the office and Carly will help you navigate that. The next meeting is two weeks from now. Uh, there's a tip jar in the uh, line, and we do have a high-definition camera to notice who does and doesn't put money in. Uh, we invested in that this year, so thank you. No, just kidding. Um, it's really just a way to supplement the, the, the cost for the food. It's not a big deal. Some, some guys will drop just put $20 in there and call it you know, a, a month or whatever they want to do. That's fine. Just money that we help pay, pay for the food. And if you don't have money, there really is no camera, so don't worry about that. Um, the daily office, a lot of you are here for that, which is great. Uh, it's from 6 to 6.30, and the daily office is a time that we're, what the best way to describe it is we're alone together with God. So we're just sitting together. We go through a little script of reading passages and sitting quietly before the Lord. And it's just a, it's just a discipline just to sit quietly uh, before the Lord, and it's helpful when you do it together, because that's, that's part of the um, iron sharpening iron. Uh, at the end of every talk, which is about a 20-ish minute talk, it ends around 7, Lord willing, uh, you'll have about 15 or so minutes, maybe 20, to talk in a group. So just get in a group of three or four people that are around you, and if with so many, if you want to try to push out towards the edges, that's fine. Um, and here, here's the rules of the group. Think of it as a listening group. Now, this is very hard for men. 
because uh, men like to be in fix-it groups. So I'm on my group with Brandon, and he says a problem, an issue, a challenge. I mean, these are going to—he's going to be answering the questions that are on the board, and just your your immediate impulse is to say something like this. You know what you ought to do is, and just like you, you need to have like a like a, a rolled up piece of newspaper or something, and just hit somebody on the head when they say that. You know, just like <laughs> bad, bad response. It's not a fix-it group. If Brandon says something that I think I could be helpful on, that's why we have breakfast. You can fix all the problems during breakfast, whether they're, they're real problems or they're fake problems like Clemson football or something like that. You know, just, you know, that's where you fix it. But just in the group, just say, hey, that, that sounds hard. Or can you tell me more about that or something like that. So that's how you want to approach it. And then there will be a lot of times you'll say, I want to follow back up with that, but just don't do it right there because it it'll suck up all the time. And then when you talk, try to think about being in the sort of the, the blog, the, 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 the Twitter 140 character, not the novel. Well, I know, I know I'm new to this group and I was born in 1963 in Georgia and okay, no, no, just, no, we don't need all that, just... Just give, give an answer. You know, if somebody wants to ask you a question, you can give some more. But, again, there's going to be somebody in your group that's not going to want to say anything, and we want everyone to say something. And then there's going to be somebody in your group that just naturally is a talker. I don't know anybody like that personally, but I'm just saying there are people like that, and they go grow up to be talkers. And so uh, just t tell that person to, let's, you know, let's think about 140 characters, Paul, not more. All right, so does that, ma that make sense? You'll get used to it. It's not complicated. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to ask Mark Hurt to pray for us. Mark. Amen. If it's helpful, the outline is on this half sheet. So if you're a note taker, just want to write something, take a note here, it's all on this, and the questions will be on the back. And uh, the last thing I didn't, I failed to mention is just if you ever need any help, um, it's, it's better to ask early on, because most guys ask when it's, not that it's too late, but you go, why didn't you come, you know, six months ago? So just... Lots of guys call me, and I'm not always the help. I might just be the connector to help, but just don't wait too late. Here's a story. There once was a town in the high Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear as crystal. Children laughed and played beside it, and, and swans and geese swam in it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout at the bottom. High in the hills, far beyond anyone's sight, lived an old man who served as keeper of the springs. 
He'd been hired so long ago that really no one could remember the time that he wasn't there. He traveled around the springs, up and down the hills, removing branches and leaves and debris. But the work was unseen. One year, the town council decided that they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer. And giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury. So the old man left his post high in the mountains, and the springs went untended. Twigs and branches, and worse, muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned parts of the stream into stagnant bonds. For a time, no one in the village noticed, but after a while, the water was not quite the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away. The water no longer had a crisp scent. The children didn't play in it. The trout were gone. Some people in the town began to grow ill. All noticed the loss of the sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the stream that fed the town. The life of the village, it turns out, depended on the stream. And the life of the stream depended on the keeper. So the city council reconvened and the money was found and the old man was rehired. Yet after a time, the springs were clean. The stream was pure. Children played in it again. Illnesses replaced by health. Swans came home and the village came back to life. The life of a village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is your soul and you are the keeper. The stream, the thing that runs through your life, is your soul. And there can only be one keeper of it. That's you. Your wife can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. We can all encourage and all that sort of stuff. But you're the old man that when unseen work needs to happen, you have to make sure that unseen work gets done in order for your life to be life-giving. And I would ask, just as we start, as we think about this year, what grade would you give yourself as a keeper of your soul? I mean, let's say we said we're going to take a few minutes just to, you're, you're going to interview yourself. Well, how are you doing on your job? You keeping the debris out? Are you paying attention? Do you wake up early and check the right things? Grow tired and you don't think about it too much? maybe once a week, maybe twice a month? What kind of grade would you give yourself as a keeper of your soul? And then how, how does somebody keep their soul? I mean, it's pretty easy to think about a stream, but how do you keep your soul? I mean, if this is true, what, what, I mean, I hear you, Paul, but what exactly am I supposed to be doing to keep it clean? I'm not quite sure. And that's the question that we want to try to answer this year in Iron Leadership and the answer to that question, I'm going to just say, is training. Training. It's not something that's easy to figure out, but it's something you can do, and it takes training. And that's why we're using this book, Run to Win. This is a book about training, the, the lifelong pursuit of a godly man. It's not something that at the end of the year you'll say, oh, I did it. You know, it'll be training. It'll be habits that you've put in your life that you're going to use, whether you're here and you're you're 16 
or you're here and you're 60, like I am. It's these, these are things that you need, you know, your whole life long. And so my, here's, here are a couple of my hopes and goals for the year. Number one, the one reason I picked this book, and some of you probably know this, is the Summer Olympics are this coming summer, the summer of 2024. Did you know that? Think in Paris. And so right now, athletes all over the world are 10 months away from trying to go for the gold. And what are they doing? They are training. I mean, they are training their body, their skill, their mind, their emotions. I mean, whatever sport it is, it's, it's not just your body or your practice of, your, of, of rowing or gymnastics. It's, it's I've got to have the right mindset. I've got to have the right emotional. I've got, I've got to line up everything so when I get to July of 2024, I am in peak performance. And probably all of us in this room are going to take some time to watch some portion of the Olympics. I mean, you like the relay races, or you like the rowing, or you like the swimming, or you like the fencing, or you, whatever, whatever it is you like, you're going to find yourself on the television going, wow, that was awesome. And that person or team who won right now is when they're, they're learning how to win that. It won't be on the spot. Nobody just shows up and says, hey, I'd like to give weightlifting a try. No, I mean, you've got to say, I've been practicing, I've been doing this over and over again. So today, think of yourself as an athlete. I know that's easy for all of us to think of us. And you've got 10 months to, to be ready for something. And you're going to choose what that something or somethings are so that you might have a chance to win the prize, to, to get the gold medal. So I want you to challenge yourself, first of all, just what would be one, two, three things, not more than that, that you need to be ready to show up for, that today you're not really in prime time condition. It might be something in your marriage. It might be just your finances are in disarray, and it's kind of like an anchor because you're just fighting about it, and you never can figure it out could be something in your business. could be something about yourself. It could be an anger issue or a lust issue or a, a laziness issue that you just go, I know it. Yeah, you, I mean, you probably can think of it right now without me having to describe anything else. Just these are the things that they, they're an anchor. I, it, it keeps me from really being available or being set because I really haven't trained myself physical, relational, work, marriage, your soul. So that's number one. And we'll just, we'll, that'll be one of the questions. What, what could you think of right now, which would be one or two things that you'd want to say, in 10 months, I'd really like to be ready, prepared for real competition in this area. Secondly, you have to have some accountability to yourself and to somebody else. So I would encourage you to write it down. And then share it with somebody. It might be somebody in your group. It might be some friend you have. What, it might be your spouse. It could be more than one people. If you don't have anybody or you want me to be a part of that, just email me and say, Paul, I heard what you said. Here's my one thing. And then that way when I see you every two weeks, hey, how's that going? I mean, that wouldn't be great, but that wouldn't be, that'd be better than nothing. And I could just kind of keep saying, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to Iron Leadership because Paul's going to ask me how's it going. <laughs> so we'll whittle this down to about 15 people in two weeks. But just you need some form of accountability. And finally, 
you need to have some core training exercises. So you're going to pick out something relational, something financial, something emotional. And that's there, so the to way to, to attack those would be different, but there are core exercises that get to that. So you all know this, that you say whatever, whatever kind of athletic pursuit you have, you say you got to have a strong core because that, 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 that transfers into every activity. You got to have a strong core, whether you're a rower, a weightlifter, a gymnast, a fencer. So you just have to have those core competencies, and that's what this book is for. It's 17 chapters. There are 17 meetings in Iron Leadership this year. And so we're going to read one chapter every two weeks. This is not a big lift. This is not a thick book, in case you're wondering. And the chapters are two or three. I was thinking of Steve when I was thinking about this. What can Steve do? <laughs> Steve can just do two or three pages a couple weeks. Thank you, Steve. Uh, and uh, just read it and just think, what, what from this chapter, read the verses that are embedded in the chapter. Don't just read the chapter. If it says Second Timothy, read that passage. Go to your Bible, read it. And just think, what, what from this one core exercise could I implement into my life? Could I incorporate? Or maybe you're doing it already. Or maybe you need to go ahead and just look at the index and just say, hey, this is my big thing, and it's finances, and it's week 14. So you want to read that now and be thinking about it right now. It's not complicated, but we're just going to go through this. So you know the topic every time you come. And at a minimum, you could have read it just even the night before and just say, okay, we're going to talk about this. This is what we're going to do. And this is a core. This is just, this is going to help you do whatever it is you choose or one or two things that you're going to pick. All right, so are, is everybody good with that? Everybody understand that? So we're going to take this passage from 1 Corinthians. That's very familiar. 1 Corinthians 9, uh, the very end of the chapter. If you have a Bible, great. If you don't, there's a blue Bible. If you have a device either way but this is a passage that probably most of us are familiar with Paul the Apostle Paul's writing to this group in Greece in this particular area in Greece like a state is called Corinth and he says this do you not know that in a race all the runners compete 924 in a race all the runners compete but only one receives the prize so run in such a way or in some translations, make every effort to obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. See that, that core? They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it for an imperishable. So I don't run aimlessly. Picks up two different uh, uh, Olympic activities. I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as somebody beating the air. No, I've got a strategy. I'm moving in a particular way. And that causes me to, verse 27, discipline my body to keep it under control. So you just know my body might be working against me on this. Lest, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So the Apostle Paul is very familiar with athletic imagery. In Corinth, they had something that was like the, the Olympic Games. It was called the Isthmian Games. They happened every two years, just like the Olympics. And the way you entered the Games is you came to Corinth and you stayed there for 10 months. And you trained in this, let's say, Olympic Village. And when you came through, sort of through the gate, 
you had to sign this waiver, and they actually have it uh, in historical uh, record. Here's what's part of the waiver you had to sign as an athlete 2,000 years ago. Do you wish to gain the prize at the games? Consider carefully the preparations and the consequences. You must observe a strict regimen. Live on food that you dislike. Abstain from all delicacies. Exercise at the necessary and prescribed times, both in the heat and in the cold. You must drink nothing cooling. Take no wine. You may get your arm broken. Your foot may be put out of joint. You may be obliged to swallow mouthfuls of dust and receive many blows to your body. So it's like a little lawyer disclaimer. Well, we're saying, you know, injury is going to happen, but if you come through the gate, you've got to sign, I'm, I'm up for that. that. That could happen in this process. So Paul uses this background. Everybody in Corinth is under, understands this and uses this as a challenge for the church to say, hey, we're going to be like athletes, and, and you're going to have to go into training. If you're following Christ, it is a free gift. I don't, I don't want to mix this up with grace. But grace is opposed to earning but not opposed to effort. You can't earn something from, from the Lord, but once you are given something, then you want to make every effort. And that's what Paul's talking about. And I just want to mention two things here that are helpful and may be helpful for you. One, Paul has a settled strategy. He has a settled strategy. If you went back to the beginning of chapter 9, Paul, all the way up to verse 24, so 1 through 23, He's talking about whether he should get paid or not for his job as an evangelist. And many evangelists were getting paid, and he makes a case for it. But then he says, but I don't, I'm not looking for pay. I, I don't want anything to get in the way of the gospel. So I'm, I've got a settled strategy to, to use the self-control muscle to say no to something that really is important. But I'm working on my core by just saying no to that. So part of your settled strategy might be saying no to things that could be good things at a certain time. But today, for a period of time, for 10 months, you're just going to say, you know what, no. I'm going to stop eating this. I'm going to stop looking at this. I'm going to stop watching this. I'm going to stop saying this. I'm just, it's not that it's evil. It's just, no, I've got a settled strategy, and I'm going to say no. I love how one commentator puts it. Paul's discipline comes not merely as a series of spontaneous gestures, but from a settled strategy, which involves personal cost. It involves learning to live without learning to live without now i'm going to show you this is kind of like a little bonus video clip i love this movie so if you haven't seen it you need to watch it it's a guy's movie secondhand lions anybody seen this movie oh it's just a great classic and i love robert duvall you know and uh these two old men sort of get hoisted on them this young boy and the whole movie is about them trying to help to raise up this boy. And they're not going to do a very good job. They're telling the boy right away. And he's terrified of him. And this is sort of his first day in the house with these two old guys. And the key phrase is just, 
learning to live without. When Zachary and I saw this movie together, this is my son, we quote this every time we're together. Hey, kid. You sleep up there in the tower. Hey, we don't know nothing about kids. So if you need something, find it yourself. Or better yet, learn to do without. We're both getting old. Fixing to die any time. So uh, if we kick off in the middle of the night, you're on your own. So it, I love that little scene. And what are, the, what are they just trying to teach this young boy? At some point, you're going to be on your own. And when you're on your own, you're going to have to learn to live without. And, and it's just a small little thing to say, I, in order for me to accomplish some things that are really important, I'm going to have to learn without to live without some other things. It could be pride. It could be always being right. It could be always having the last word. It's not all a physical goal. It just could be, I, when I'm in an argument with my wife, I'm going to let her have the last word. Well, you're right, honey, but see, that's not a good strategy. If you've tried this strategy, I don't recommend it. Doesn't end well. But just some settled strategy that I'm going to learn to live without. Paul is entering this complex world with a settled strategy, and he has a spiritual core. Now, I've given out this card before, this little uh, Ali Frazier card. I love this video, <coughs> and I love this quote on it. But Frazier Ali, most of you know, uh, but if you don't, this great epic battle they had in Ma Madison Square Garden. Muhammad Ali in March of 1971 was undefeated. And he's going up against Joe Frazier. And this little one-minute clip is round 15. And you can tell they're tired. Joe's face doesn't look like the way it started. And this is what happens in the round. Joe Frazier ends up winning on a decision. life and everybody's watching you're hungry angry lonely or tired or all of those you're in round 15 where does this left hand hook start long before this moment you realize that right it starts 10 months ago or whenever he started training to say I've got to train myself to get to round 15 and still be standing. 
And then I've got to have the energy when, the, when he drops his hands, I've got to have enough energy in round 15 to be able to throw that left hook. And see, a lot of guys, they get in and they, they're doing, you and me, first round, man, I look like a world beater. But second round, and I mean, I'm never going to make it to 15 because I haven't trained for it. And Satan is just waiting for you to get tired, and then, boom, let's go to the computer. Let's just say this, what's right on the top of your mind. Mm, not a good idea. So this, this left hook, Paul understands it takes training. You're going to receive many blows to your body, and you're going to have to stand there as a leader, as a man, as a husband, as a business person. And you're going to have to be able to navigate all these things. And at some point, you're going to be called on and all, everybody's going to be looking at you. And that's the moment we're going to find out if you trained when nobody was looking. And that's this quote. You can map out a fight plan for your life, but when the action starts, it may not go the way you planned. You're down to your reflexes. What happens when you get punched in the face? Well, you have to be prepared. And this is what I love. Your road work shows. If you, cheated on, if you cheated on that in the dark of the morning, you're going to get found out in the bright lights of life. So if you're just not praying and you're just not reading your Bible and you're just not connected, at some point you're going to be in round 15 and somebody's going to throw a left hook and you're going to be down. It will come out at some point. So that's what I'm trying to help us have a strong core. So whether you pick something relationally, emotionally, financially, physically, you're, you're ready to engage. And you say, I'm not going to get there tomorrow. I'm not going to get there in two weeks. This is something you're going to have to work on. You're going to say, I'm going to chart a course. I'm not going to train for one week. I'm going to train for 10 months and say, hey, in 10 months, this one, just pick one area if you need to, and just say, this is the one thing that this year I'd like to be better. When I sit down and watch the Olympics, I'm going to remind myself, hey, I trained for this thing. I really made progress on it. That's what I'd like to see happen for you. The other thing is, and it goes with it, is he has self-control. He disciplines his body. He beats his body, it says in NIV. He gives it a black eye. All of us are familiar with this with the Apostle Paul. I find this law at work in me. When I want to do good, what does it say? Evil just shows up right beside me. I mean, I walk into church and I want to do good, and then somebody comes up and I'm yelling at them. I mean, where, where did that come from? Now, that doesn't happen with me. I'm just saying it happens. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of all good things, and then I just get T-boned, by some thought that comes into my mind and my inner being. I, del I'm del I want to do God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body of waging war. See, it's not just, you know, messing with me. No, it's waging war. This is why these images are so important. It it's not uh, tiddlywinks or pickup sticks. It's war. And if you're not ready for it, you get knocked out. Settled strategy. Self-control. So when you think about the one or two things, you're going to be thinking about what core exercises do I need? All these are going to be helpful. 
But what are a few core exercises I need to incorporate? What do I need to say no to? What's one or two things I'd like to say? Yeah, I'm, I'm really better at this in July. It's not just something I, I, I know I need to work on. No, I, I decided in, from September of 2023 to July of 2024, before I sit down and watch the Olympics, I'm going to really have made every effort. I love that picture. Run and make every effort. One of the things that used to frustrate me about Zachary when he was high school, and I'm sure this is most high school guys. It wasn't just him. I'm not just picking on him. But he would say, I'm, I'm doing all I can. I'd, son, I'd say, son, you don't have any idea what all you can really is. I mean, you think you're doing all you can, but I bet you're going at about 70%. I mean, most coaches know this, right? I'm running as fast as I can. Well, I bet I can get you to run a little bit faster, right? I mean, there's something you can do to say, no, you need to go a little bit more. And this, this I love this picture. This guy, he wants to win the race. I mean, he's going to lay out for it. He's going to make every effort. So part of us getting to July 24th is saying, hey, I'm going to make every effort. And maybe I've never told anybody a goal before, but I'm going to at least call Pastor Paul and say, hey, here's my goal. Whatever it is, whatever you'd say, I, I've got to do something different. I've been trying to reach this goal forever. I've never reached that. I'm going to make every effort to do it this time. Let me just make one final comment. You may have heard this guy, the ultra marathon man, he wrote a book. So the guy, guy who was a runner in high school, and at 30, he found himself in a bar drinking and just thought, this, I'm, I'm really headed in a bad direction. So he had been a runner in high school, and he went out and got some tennis shoes, and eventually he ran a marathon. Wasn't pretty, but he finished. Sometime later, he entered a race called the Western 100, which is running 100 miles. Then he entered a 200-mile team relay, but he entered as an individual. And there were 12 teams. He finished eighth by just running the whole thing himself. Then, this is the part you may have heard, he ran 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. I don't know if you ever heard that. One day, he said, during the race, he ate an entire pizza. And the guy's so inspiring, when I read about this, I went out and ordered a pizza, because I thought, I, I want to be a lot like this guy. I ate the whole thing. But he never ran by himself. He had something called the mothership. And it would go along with him. Because he just couldn't do it by himself. And I want you to know, if nothing else, CCC, this group, can be the mothership. To say, hey, I'm, I'm not feeling it today. I need some encouragement. I need some help. I need some, whatever it is. That's what my hope is for iron leadership. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another.